God is good. And all the time. You guys sound good this morning. And it's and it's early. You're doing good. Um, you know, I was uh, I enjoyed uh, and weren't we blessed to have uh, Dan Jackson here last Sabbath take time out of his schedule uh, to come be with us Calamaceites uh, for a Sabbath to preach a couple sermons and and do a Q and A. It was just great to have him here, and I really enjoyed a lot of what he had to say. But uh, you know, when he talked about high fiving each other on Sabbath, you know, I thought that'd be maybe we should get that going here. You know, um, I already had one person do it after first service. That was one. You know, it just takes one person, right? The man or woman in the mirror just starts with you. Uh, but it reminded me of a, of a true story of a pastor who was baptizing someone who had actually never seen anyone get baptized before, but they'd given their life to Jesus and they were being baptized. And so when they got in the baptistry, uh, the pastor raised their hand, you know, to pray. And the guy saw him and went, high five. <laughs> pastor didn't know what to do, but he's all right, and just went down. So what better moment, right, than to high five, right, in that moment. That, uh, we can definitely get excited about our Lord, can we, and what he's done for us. Today we are continuing our series in the parables, the stories that Jesus told. And today we're actually going to look at a story within a story that actually tells the story of what was happening right there uh, with Jesus and a man and a woman. And so today we're going to look at Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. And before we do that, we're going to get up on the screen for you. And just as a reminder, if you ever want the scriptures on a, on a page, they're right in front of you, or on your device, whatever you like, feel free to pull those out as well, but we will have it on the screen as well. But to preface the story... I want to bring up a little bit of what Luke records before we get into our passage. And we're not going to put that on the screen uh, because I did not tell those who are doing the projection to do that. Uh, but um, Jesus, before our narrative here, is talking to a crowd. And part of the crowd there are some Pharisees. And in verse 30 of chapter 7, to me, this is one of the, uh, one of the heaviest verses of Scripture because of how sad it is. But in verse 30, Luke records, but the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. That's heavy. Luke, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells how these Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. Later on, Jesus is speaking, just a couple verses before our passage, and Jesus says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, He is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. And then we have our story and our story within the story today. It reads like this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now let me just stop right there. 
Remember, this is one of the Pharisees who had rejected God's purpose for himself. And aren't you glad that we have a God that goes to someone's house who's rejecting his purpose for his life? And a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume and she stood behind him at his feet weeping and she began to wet his feet with her tears and then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Now just, just stop right there. Imagine you are there and you are Simon. And you're thinking this to yourself. You're, you're saying this to yourself, maybe under your breath. No one else can hear you if, if you even said it out loud. And Jesus looks at you. It says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Wouldn't that just freak you out a little bit? You know, I mean, just imagine, Tom. You're there, and you're thinking this, and Jesus goes, Tom. <laughs> Be like, want to get away? Right? Really fast. But instead, Tom says, tell me, teacher. And two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You do not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. Jesus is amazing, isn't he? Amen. There he is. He's gone to this Pharisee's house who has rejected God's purpose for himself. And he's invited Jesus. And there they are having dinner. Now, just to remind you, and if you're not aware, you know, when they got together to eat a meal, it wasn't like we do here. We sit around at the table and our feet are under the table. In those times, they, they were like laying on the ground and their heads and their faces were all facing each other towards wherever the food would be. And maybe they were reclining kind of on their left arm and eating with their right hand and their feet were behind them. And so, and it wouldn't be uncommon also for them, for this to be taking place in maybe a courtyard area of someone's residence, not necessarily in the home. 
And so it was not uncommon as well for, for people in the village and so forth to be to crumb around and maybe be witnessing all of this. And so there they were. And this woman had come. And there was Jesus. And she came and found herself at the feet of Jesus. Isn't it great when we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus? And there she found herself at the feet of Jesus. And she began to weep. And her tears began to fall on the feet of Jesus. And she began to touch the feet of Jesus. And her hair came undone and she began to wipe the feet of Jesus. Because of the love and the forgiveness she had experienced at the very core of her being. Now you may or may not know this, but in the time that Jesus walked the face of the earth, for a woman to touch a man's feet, for a woman to let her hair down in public, those were scandalous things. And yet Jesus let her touch him. He would have been considered unclean because he was touched by a woman on his feet. And yet Jesus was comfortable with society calling him unclean for this woman to touch him. Isn't it great that Jesus was willing to become unclean so we might be clean? That he was willing to become sin that we could be saved from sin and be forgiven. And there he is, the woman at his feet, touching his feet, weeping at his feet, wiping his feet with her hair. And he begins to tell this story to Simon. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. A denarius was basically what you would pay a day laborer for one day of working. So one person owed him 50 days worth of wages, and one owed him 500 days worth of wages. He forgave them both. Because whether it was the 50 or the 500, the story Jesus told says that neither had the money to pay him back. One couldn't say, well, I've got 10%. I can pay you 10%. One can't say, I, I've got 25% or I've got, I can pay you half. Neither of them could pay the debt. And so the moneylender forgave the debts of both. And so Jesus poses the question, now which of them will love him more? And Simon says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus said, you have judged correctly. You see, while Jesus is telling this story, he's really telling the story of the story that's happening around him, isn't he? The story of Simon of the Pharisee and of this woman. And he's saying, Simon, you both have huge debts. And God has forgiven you both. The problem was, was that Simon thought he only had a little debt towards God. That his debt was, was smaller than the woman's debt. In fact, Jesus even said, how many sins did the woman have? Many sins. But this woman, who has many sins, look at what she's doing. 
Look how much she's loving me. The only difference was that the woman knew the depths of her heart and she knew her sins. While the Pharisee, who Luke said was rejecting God's purpose for his life, was not receiving the forgiveness of God because he thought he was only indebted to God a small amount. In fact, Jesus tells us, you want to know how much someone knows that they're forgiven? They love much. And he says, you want to know that someone who has only allowed God to forgive them a little? They love little. Jesus says, this woman has been forgiven much because she has loved much. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Your sins are forgiven, he said to her. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her confidence in Jesus, her complete confidence in Jesus, to know that she was forgiven had saved her. And now she could experience shalom, a peace that transcends all understanding, that meets you right at the very core of who you are. Church, we are called to be great lovers. But that only happens when we allow God to forgive us. It only happens when we allow God to forgive us of all of our sins. And sometimes we can be the church, and I say this in general, but we can be the church of Christ who loves little. And when that happens, the only thing I know is that that means that we're a church that is not allowing God to forgive us much. Because when God forgives us much, when we allow him to forgive us of our many sins, we love in incredible ways. We're less critical. We're less judgmental. We stop pointing the fingers. We stop saying who's out and who's in in the kingdom of God. Because we are just like the very first parable we looked at with the tax collector and the Pharisee. And the only thing that we can say before our God is, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I was listening to a podcast um, dealing with physical fitness and, and uh, <clears throat> the person talking was uh, describing their own experience and they were talking about how they were working out and they were working out in a group and they were supposed to go through the certain regimen and, and the trainer uh, was coming around to each of them and, and this one, one person who was working out, who was talking, said, I was getting frustrated because I was watching this other person and, and I saw that they were cheating. And I was getting frustrated. And so, <laughs> so the trainer came up to him and he says, What's going on? Come on, push harder. And he said, well, so-and-so is doing this. And he, this was the trainer's response. It sounds like you need to put a little more weight on your bar <laughs> and focus on what you're doing. Because you're here to work out and to get healthy. 
You're not here to be the trainer. Isn't it interesting how sometimes in our relationship in the church, we think we're all trainers. And Jesus is the only trainer. He's the only master. And we're all disciples. And maybe sometimes we get around and go, well, look what, and these people shouldn't be allowed in the church, and these people should be kicked out of the church, and these people. And Jesus says, sounds like we need to um, talk about your stuff (laughs) that I want to forgive you for. And when you let me forgive you of that stuff, maybe you'll be embracing instead of pushing out. Maybe that'll be a little different because there will be much love. Can we take a little moment just to plunge as the song we said earlier this morning? I love that verse. Oh, how sweet it is to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing blood. Let's do that for a moment in scripture. I just want to bring some scriptures up on the screen to remind us of the reality of life in the kingdom of God, of being forgiven by God. This is Psalms 103. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 1.18, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Ephesians 1, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And Colossians 1, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And I love Matthew 26, when Jesus was having that last supper with his disciples. It says, then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, these words from Scripture, these words from God, these words for the purposes of our life, are not things that we just talk about when we gather together on Sabbath and sing songs and then go out to the work and school and play and live in a different reality. This is our reality. Forgiven by God. And our experience of being forgiven by God directly impacts our love with others. Now, I'm just like you. And we're all just like that woman. We have many sins, don't we? And God knows it, and that's why he came, and that's why he bore the cross, because it was a debt that none of us could carry or pay. And so he did it for us. And that's why we're here, I assume, because we have such gratitude in our hearts for what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. We come and we worship and we give thanks and we adore him for his love and his forgiveness. But we also know that the struggle is very real. Every day is a new day of God's mercies and every day is another day for the enemy to tempt us to 
try to convince us that he doesn't love us that much. That he hasn't forgiven us that much. And next time will be the last time because we've done it so many times. I love the words from the group Casting Crowns, East to West. Here I am, Lord, and I'm drowning in your sea of forgetfulness. The chains of yesterday surround me. I yearn for peace and rest. I don't want to end up where you found me, and it echoes in my mind, keeps me awake at night. I know you've cast my sin as far as the east is from the west, and I stand before you now as though I've never sinned, but today I feel like I'm just one mistake away from you leaving me this way. Jesus, can you show me how far the east is from the west? Because I can't bear to see the man I've been come rising up in me again. In the arms of your mercy I find rest, because you know just how far the east is from the west from one scarred hand to the other. I start the day, the war begins, endless reminding of my sin. Time and time again, your truth is drowned out by the storm in me. Today I feel like I'm just one mistake away from you leaving me this way. I know you've washed me white, turned my darkness into light. I need your peace to get me through, to get me through this night. I can't live by what I feel, but by the truth your words reveal. I'm not holding on to you, but you're holding on to me. You're holding on to me, Jesus. You know just how far the east is from the west. I don't have to see the man I've been come rising up in me again. In the arms of your mercy, I find rest, because you know just how far the east is from the west, from one scarred hand to the other. When Jesus forgives our sins, they are removed as far as the east is from the west. And that's a long, long way And I like how this artist said it, from one scarred hand to the other. Church, the struggle is real, isn't it? But the good news is that God's forgiveness is real too. It's true. It's promised to us. Jesus has paid the price. And it's done. You are forgiven. God has forgiven you. He forgives us. He forgives me. But he never leaves us where he finds us, does he? He calls us to follow him and to grow in him. And I want to share something that I want to encourage us to think about in our own personal lives. Several years ago, I guess it's been several years, um, my daughter and I went to spend some time with an artist. He was a painter. And he was teaching some things about painting. And, and he talked about this thing in painting called negative space. And I had never really looked at it that way before. I never really thought about it. But he was talking about when you paint or when you're sketching, that an essential part to the sketch is negative space. And, you know, I've always just kind of drawn stick figures, you know, so not too much dimension there. But when you're painting and you're, you're adding dimensions and you're trying to bring out shadows and, and the depth of the picture and space, negative space is crucial to that. It's the dark areas of the painting. You know, when you look at a painting next time, look at, look at the dark areas and the shaded areas and the shadows because that's what really brings the picture to life. And I began to think about the spiritual life, about life in general, and oftentimes, I think we as human beings, we, we try to avoid all conflict. We try to avoid all the painful areas, which nobody likes pain. But 
My experience in my own personal life and in ministry in general is that it's those dark spaces in our life that we tend to run from and try to avoid and, and um, deny that they're there. Those are the dark spaces Jesus wants to go into. That's why he's called the light of the world. And it's those dark spaces of pain, of woundedness, of brokenness, and areas that we probably don't even know we need God to go in and touch and maybe allow him to forgive us for and help us forgive others in. Those are the areas Jesus wants to go into. And I've often found that as I allow Jesus to go into those negative spaces in my life, there's incredible healing. And there's opportunity for me to accept God's forgiveness. And there's beautiful healing in the process. At 3.30 p.m. on June 6, 2007, a 21-year-old man with muscular dystrophy named Ben Carpenter drove his electric-powered wheelchair down the sidewalk in Paw Paw, Michigan. As he approached the street crossing at the corner of Red Arrow Highway and Hazen Street, a semi-truck came to a halt at the stoplight. Ben began to cross the street from the north to the south in his wheelchair, just a few feet in front of the towering truck. When the light turned green somehow, the uh, truck driver did not see Ben in his wheelchair. With Ben still in front of the truck, the engine roared to life and the mammoth vehicle pulled forward. When the truck struck Ben's wheelchair, the wheelchair turned, now facing forward, and the handles in the back of the wheelchair became wedged in the truck's grill. The wheelchair kept rolling, though, and Ben, wearing a seatbelt, fortunately, was held in his chair. The truck driver was still oblivious to the fact that he had hit the wheelchair. The truck picked up speed, soon reaching 50 miles per hour. Still, the wheelchair and Ben were pinned dangerously on the front. Don't you just feel for Ben in this moment? (laughs) While the driver continued along in his own little world of the truck cab, people along the road saw what was happening. Everyone seemed to see the drama unfolding, but the driver, frantic observers called 911. People waved their arms and tried to get the truck driver's attention. Two off-duty policemen saw what was happening and began to pursue the truck. On drove the trucker. On the road behind the truck were two new parallel lines that marked where the wheelchair's rubber wheels were being worn off. Finally, after two terrifying miles the driver pulled into a trucking company parking lot, still clueless to the presence of Ben Carpenter, pinned to the front of his truck. Thankfully, Ben was unharmed. Amazing story. But church, we will all continue to go through our life, and we will either go forward in our life in the relationships that we have day to day, with the power and the force of God's love in us and through us because we have been forgiven much, or we will go forward in our life with the power of that truck bulldozing people and the power of unforgiveness if we don't allow God to forgive us much. 
And oftentimes we are oblivious to the fact of the pain and the brutality sometimes we bring into other people's lives because we won't accept God's full forgiveness. Let's pray. Jesus, may we hear your words, not only to the woman, but to us. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Though your sins are many, your sins are forgiven. Jesus, may we fully know and believe and trust that we can put our full confidence in those words that you say to us. And as we do, may we love much and may we know the peace that comes only in your kingdom because of the incredible depth of forgiveness that you have given us. Would you take a moment now just in silent prayer just to experience the forgiveness of God for you in your life. confident in the power of Jesus to forgive and redeem us and thus going in peace. God bless you.